This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got so much to get to today. A lot of gopher football talk coming up. I'll have Chip Scoggins on in just a little bit to talk extra gopher football, and I'll have some thoughts at the outset here as well. And I'll get to some Ben Simmons stuff. I haven't talked Ben Simmons for a while, much to Chris Hines' relief. But uh, I got to bring him up again this week because he has uh, basically said he's not reporting to camp unless he gets a trade. And the Wolves suddenly starting to move up into that conversation in the public perception, in the betting perception, things of that nature. So I need to get to that toward the end of the show as well. But first, what did I miss? You probably stayed up for it. If you didn't, Gophers lose their opener 45-31 to Ohio State. Packed house at the bank, big atmosphere, you know, Fox game, 7 p.m. night kickoff in the rain, all that good stuff. And for a while, it looked like a party. You know, Gophers fell behind early 10-0, but they they took a 14-10 lead, had opportunities to do more. And I think that is going to kind of be the theme of my reaction to that game for, you know, as as much as that turned out to be a two touchdown deficit at the end for you know as much as Ohio State took control in the second half with a lot of big plays that game was there for them to take control of as well you know 14-10 chance to go up 21-10 at the end of the first half they miss on a big play one of kind of three pretty critical mistakes by Tanner Morgan one of which he was absolved of thanks to a penalty but I thought I thought he played a lot better as the game went on but uh, certainly three plays of his that uh, that stood out to me. One misfiring on that deep ball down the you know down the down the right side near the end of the first half. They hit on that 21-10 at halftime. Now you're talking something real. Ohio State ends up getting the ball to start the second half, scores a quick touchdown, and you know even though Minnesota trades scores with them, sort of Ohio State you know gets momentum in that regard. You know other big play. Uh, by Tanner Morgan, you know he he throws an interception. This luckily gets called back because of roughing the passer, but a terrible throw, bad decision into coverage in that case. And then the strip sack for a fumble. Didn't feel the pressure coming, and uh, you know that's a fumble return for a touchdown. It was 24-21 at that point. Gophers had the ball again. Don't know how the game turns out necessarily if that play is different. A lot of things happened in the course of the game, including the injury to Mo Ibrahim. Talk to Chip a little bit more about that here in a little bit, but uh, I thought Tanner Morgan, as as good as he played, you know, in the last you know 15 minutes of the game, you know, getting them into some scoring situations, getting them back within a touchdown at 38-31, some really good throws. Needed to see a little bit more good decision making and uh, you know hitting on those big plays because he is a guy that they are going to count on absolutely. So I felt like there was a missed opportunity there, even though Ohio State is clearly the more talented team. I think the Gophers are a really good team. I think they've got some good things going for them. Offensive line is totally legit. When they brought in the jumbo package, the seven seven linemen in the tight end and just you know ran it for a touchdown, loved it. They can go big like that, and, uh, and they can be effective that way. And again, a lot of it's going to depend on Ibrahim, but they've still got some depth there. They've got Morgan. They've got some stuff going on the offense. Now the defense is another story. Work in progress. Ohio State Average what 13 yards per pass play, seven and a half yards, 7.7 yards per run. Had almost 500 yards in the game, scored a bunch of touchdowns over 50 yards. Now, the Gophers held the ball for 38 minutes and 41 seconds. That's what they want to do. That's that's kind of their formula for how they're going to win this year. 
Uh, but because of the big plays, the quick strike from Ohio State, it didn't really matter. Like The Gophers could go hold the ball as long as they wanted. Ohio State got the ball back, and a minute later they had another touchdown. So they've got to get the defense cleaned up. And again, we're opening against Ohio State when you're inexperienced on defense, trying to figure things out. That's hard. That's a, it's a tough way to open. I think, you know, in some ways getting Ohio State now is probably good. I think the offense was fine over 400 yards, and again, the ball control. But the defense, they're going to have to figure out as the year goes on. Otherwise, this will go from a team that I think has the potential to be really good to just a team that I think could win six or seven games. I still think you look at their schedule, you look at what they've got on this offensive line, you look at some of the other pieces in place. This is a still a team that could win eight, maybe even nine games. I really feel I really feel that way about them, that this was the biggest test they're going to get all season. And if they you know, kind of went toe-to-toe with Ohio State, and even though they gave up the, the big plays, that game was there for them to take. I feel like this is going to be a season that could be could turn out to be pretty good. So I guess this game met my minimum ex, minimum expectation of it being close into the fourth quarter, but I can't help but feel a little bit of disappointment for the Gophers because I think they left something out there that was there to be taken. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Joined now on Daily Delivery by Chip Scoggins at TCF Bank Stadium Thursday night to see Ohio State 45, Gophers 31. Chip, it looked good for a while. It looked bad, then it looked good, then it looked bad again. Um, a lot of back and forth in that game. Let's start with your kind of overall opening impressions of what you saw. Yeah, that's, you know, every time you have a season opener, um, there's probably overreactions and you, because it's the only thing you go on. And, and when you play Ohio State with that much skill and speed at skill uh, on offense. Um, They will make you look bad if you're not really good. Ohio State's, you can see why they're a team that if if the quarterback gets better and and kind of polishes off some of the rough edges, they're going to be a team that's going to compete for the the college football playoff. I mean, they just have too many good receivers and running backs. And so, um, so does that, what does that say about the Gophers coming out of here? There are things I liked about it. Um, obviously there's some concerns in their secondary in terms of overall speed and being able to hang, but here's the thing. They're not going to face another team like Ohio state this year. They're just not that has that kind of speed and that kind of depth. Um, you know, a lot of people think they have the best offensive line in college football, the second best defensive line, they get the best wide receiver core. So I think it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I don't know that anything, and we'll get to this other than, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim's injury that would change my opinion of the Gophers. As I wrote my column, I think they have a chance to be a good team, and I think the Buckeyes have a chance to be a playoff team. And that's the difference in those two teams. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, you know, you fall behind 10 nothing early. It looks like there's a danger of, you know, getting getting run out of the building, even though, you know, you've got the full house, you get people excited. Then you, you know, then they rally. You know, they get they go for it on fourth and one. They get the big play. They get, you know, a couple scores and get a break with, you know, bad, bad throw by Ohio State's quarterback, the interception. And all of a sudden they're rolling. And I, I did feel and I mentioned this at the outset, I felt like 
there was a point late in the first half where they they didn't execute. They they could have could have possibly made it seventeen or twenty one to ten at halftime. So I felt like there was a couple points where there were missed opportunities. Like if you're going to beat Ohio State, you got to take advantage of every little thing that you can possibly get. Yeah, you almost have to play perfect and. and- the first half there, uh, you know, Tanner takes the second. And even the second half, I think they were up 21 to 17. Right. They have the ball. They get two straight penalties on their offensive lineman, a, a, a unsportsmanlike, unnecessary roughness, and then a hold. Well, that dooms that that drive. Ohio State gets the, call, the ball back. Eight seconds, one play, big play, touchdown. Overs come back, they get it. There's a strap, sit, the, the sack strip fumble return yep. for a touchdown. So it's, it's – you have – such a small margin of error when you play a team that that is that good and that skilled. And if you make a mistake, they're going to pounce on you. And, and um, I think the Gophers losing uh, Jordan Howden, their, their safety really uh, affected their defense. Uh, Swenson got put in there and he's just, he's just not fast enough to cover those wide receivers. And, and you saw some, I don't even know if they're busted coverages more than just guys are better than <laughs> faster than the Gophers put out there. So the big plays obviously killed him in the second half. Um, but I, there are things I liked. Uh, I love that jumbo package where they use <laughs> Me too. linemen. I mean, that's, that's something that you can carry forward. And, you know, depending on what uh, Mo's injury is, I think Trayson Potts is a, is a nice talent. I don't think he's Mo. I think Mo's a pretty special running back just by how relentless he runs the ball. And he's the heartbeat of that team. So if he's, sidelined for a significant amount of time it's obviously a huge loss i don't know that that means you know you fold up the tent they're not going to be they're gonna have a terrible season but um they would have to really get a lot out of pots if if they're going to miss mo for a while now let's play a clip here pj fleck talked about mo and you know his game and you know the concern about the injury afterward let's let's play that right now this was pj fleck the head coach after the game yeah, I mean, that's Mo. That's why I think he's the best back in the country. And uh, whatever it is, I mean, we'll figure it out and, and we'll row and we'll get better and we'll make sure he's healthy at the point we bring him back, uh, whatever it is. And hopefully it's, it's nothing major, but we don't know that just yet. Uh, but 30 carries, 164 yards, I mean, that, that's, that's what you expect of Mo, right? That's what all of you expect of Mo. You always ask me 25 to 30 carries. Uh, just unfortunately, kind of got tangled up on a tackle. So, what was your sense from post game? I mean, we don't know yet what the injury is, but it, it didn't seem like they were. It, it just it just felt like there was a little bit of a of a of an uneasiness about how serious it could be, at least because basically on what happened and how good he is and how much they mean how much he means to them. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely uneasiness, and I, I, I take them at the word that they don't know you know, the severity of it yet. And they'll, they'll need to do more testing, but the fact that he didn't come back tells you it's, it was serious enough that he couldn't come back. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think they have confidence in the other guys, but most one of the best running backs in college football. And this is the team that's built on the running game. And so, I mean, he, he had what, 30 carries through three quarters. Yes. <laughs> that tells you um, what he means to that offense. And so, yeah, you'd have to recalibrate if he's not there again. I, I think Potts has some talent. But he's not Mo, um, you know. And I look at that offense. Delon Wright, he was a bright spot. He, he he was a guy we talked about in camp, and I said going into it that he needs to be the wild card for this offense because we didn't know. I mean, you look at him; he looks like a big time wide receiver, but 
and, and BJ said, you know, every day he did something in, in practice where he just flashed, but they need, he needed to have the consistency. Well, I, saw, I think we saw tonight that he has some big play potential. And so you pair him with Chris Ottman bell when he comes back from his ankle injury and Daniel Jackson. Now you feel like they have three wide receivers that you can go to. And so maybe the offense, if, if Mo is out, I don't think he radically changed who you are. PJ is going to be a, he's going to want to be a power running team. And that's what they're built on behind that big offensive line. But I think you can open it up more and probably rely on, on Tanner Morgan in that passing game. Some that's a good transition point to Tanner Morgan. He had, you know, a couple of misplays. He got one back with the interception that was called back because of the roughing the passer had the strip sack. Thought he looked better as the second half went on, made some big throws on the drive that got them to, 38-31. I felt yep. like that was his best drive of the game. Um, was getting them down the field again, you know, in the end there too, when they could have got it to one score. A bizarre, you know, I don't know how that's not targeting. Um, but yeah. it's I don't I don't that's not the that's not the, the outcome of the game, probably isn't determined by that, but that that play was strange. But overall perception of Tanner Morgan, how he looked, what they can depend on from him as the year goes on. I actually thought he played good. Um the sack strip wasn't his fault. His left tackle just got gets beaten. Hits him from behind. There are obviously a couple throws. Um, you know, the one would have been an interception. He had the one that was um, almost an interception where he overthrew Span Four, but it looked like Span Four had tripped coming out of a. It looked like a timing pattern, and Span Four kind of tripped off the line, so that disrupted it. There were a couple drops and you know a couple throws that, that Tanner probably wishes he had back, but by and large, I thought he did a pretty nice job considering you didn't have his number one receiver. You're, you're throwing to, you know, a guy that hasn't, you haven't played a game with you, you practice with, right. But he was, you know, that's their first game action. And so um, he did look for his tight end some, I thought he managed the game well. And so I, th- I thought he played, I thought he had a good game. It wasn't his best game ever, but um, I don't think he was the the reason they lost. I mean, uh, the reason we lost is because I they, has very, very fast, very good wide receivers and running backs that were um, a cut above what the Gophers have on defense. Yeah, I think they lost because Ohio State had the ball for less than six minutes in the second (laughs) half but scored 35 (laughs) points. That was problematic. Touchdowns of 71 yards, 70 yards, 56 yards, and 60 yards. That'll, that'll, uh, that's tough. They, they want to hold the ball. The Gophers had the ball for like almost 39 minutes. Like that was like, that was yeah, not the that was problem. That's a blueprint. That so was the, a blueprint. The problem yeah. is they let the guys get behind him. And I think PJ even said that after the game, like you gotta, that can't happen. Right. And again, it's, yeah. it's Ohio state. You're not starting the year with, you know, Louisiana oh, Monroe. I don't even know if that's a team anymore. That's a team they used to play all the time. Like it's, this is not a directional school. This is one of the best teams, best programs in the country. So it, it's it, it still it feels like it's disappointing to a certain degree because there was opportunity there, but also you got to be realistic in a certain degree too that this is a team that's on a different level. Yeah, I mean, I think you can be disappointed one with losing your best player, um, your running back. That's discouraging, but and, and and this is not about moral victories. It's not about oh hanging with them and making a game in the fourth quarter because you're in year five. Of, of flex tenure. I think it's just about acknowledging that you lost to a better team. Now figure out what you can carry forward, what you have to get better at. I think they have to address 
I said going into the season, I had concerns about their secondary, and that, that proved again tonight that, um, you know, I think there's some real things they got to you got to clean up and fix there. I had concerns about their wide receiver core. I feel better about them after tonight. I feel like yeah. um, when you get Ottman Bell back and you have Wright playing the way he did, and, and I think Jackson's, you know, he's, he's growing. He's going to be a guy you can depend on too. I think you have a pretty good wide receiver core. So I think you answered some things, and some things you, you probably – realize you're you have some deficiencies in but um i still after watching this and i'll, I'll couch it with everything as long as uh mo is not gone for the season or this is something that misses you know extended and we don't know but if he's in there i still feel like this is a team that will contend in the west um yeah I just, I, they played the best team they're going to face this year tonight yeah it's which is this probably kind of a certain comfort in that it's not you know it's not pleasant so when you're you know giving up those plays but you also come out of that game realizing okay you know if you're the gophers you were in this game for at least three quarters against a team that will be the best team you face this season and maybe you got a couple breaks along the way but you know so did ohio state so it's not like this was it was not lopsided in that regard this was not a game that felt like you could tell who had the more who you could tell who had more talent, but it wasn't like they were just completely blown away or overmatched. No, no. And if uh yeah, they had they Ohio State is just you can't simulate their speed and they just don't have right. athletes that can match up with that. But what they do have and what they do well is they're a power running team and that big offensive line, if you use um seven offensive line, if 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 Mo is back and and you know Potts how will that play against Purdue and Illinois and Northwestern and those teams, you know, so that's, that's what you have to look at. Um, I mean, they got to clean up some things, but, but I don't think, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where you, you played a Miami of Ohio and really struggled to win where you're like, eh, how good is this team? Um, you know, they, they show some things that I think you can carry forward and feel like they're, they're pretty darn good at. Better offensive line, the Gophers or the Vikings. <laughs> yeah i mean it's outside of the sack strip and i'm you know and the other thing is uh a lot of people think ohio state has one of the two best defensive lines in college football and so that was a that was a big boy matchup to see kind of where it stacked up and they, the, and they had over 400 yards of offense i mean offense wasn't really the problem yeah so it's you, i think you feel good about that again not knowing the status of your running back but um I think there's a lot to build on offensively, defensively, you know, they, they've got to figure out the secondary. Um, and I don't know the uh, extent of Howden's injury, if, how serious that is or what, but um, his loss or when he went out of the game, it was definitely noticeable. Yeah. And, you know, early on, Newbin had a really bad angle on the, on the first touchdown run where he just took a bad angle and the guy ran right by him. So they, they got to clean up some, some, areas defensively um and we'll see kind of what that unit becomes as the season progresses we need an antoine winfield the third <laughs> pretty quick uh chip scoggins last thing for you appreciate uh, appreciate this um we didn't really talk about atmosphere but you know this is the first game that they've played in you know two years basically with fans in the stands it was you know it was loud it was people seemed enthusiastic about it just a, a certain catharsis what was it like to be there in your estimation. Yeah, it was great. It was fun to hear the fans again. And, you know, it kind of stinks being up in the press box that you don't, we're right. close to the glass so you can't hear 
the full noise, but you could hear them and you could tell it was loud and um, kudos to the students. They really showed up. Student section was as good as I've seen in this, in this stadium. I mean, it was packed and full when they were there. And um, I think they announced over 50,000 and, you know, maybe the rain drove some people away earlier, or, but it was, it was loud. And you know what, this is, it felt like normal again, right? Being at a, at a, sporting event where the crowd is loud and they're into it and you, you don't have piped in music. It's, it's, you know, authentic uh, noise. It was fun again. As I tweeted during the game, that was a heck of a college football game and it was a fun environment. And, um, you know, I know Gopher fans are probably disappointed, but it, it was a fun night to be kind of back and a good kickoff to the, the season. And, um, you know, we'll see where they go forward from here. I would agree with that. Chips Goggins, good stuff. Get some, uh, get some rest. It's a long season, and we'll, we'll do this again down the road, okay? All right, brother. Thanks, man. Always love talking to Chip about a lot of different things, but college football is at the top of the list. He loves college football. He is into it. He has great insights on it, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chip Scoggins, and I'll talk to him a lot more as the season goes along. Got to shift gears right now, though. To talk a little bit about Ben Simmons, it's my uh, it's my it's my pipe dream. It maybe is the Timberwolves' pipe dream as well. Maybe a little bit more realistic now, though, as the summer goes on, fades into September. Ben Simmons now this week, the, the you know Philadelphia's Ben Simmons coming off that awful playoffs. Um, you know, logical conclusion was that maybe he would get traded, but now he's saying. I don't want to come to camp. Trade me before camp starts. I'm not going to report if you don't trade me. So that puts a little bit more pressure on the Philadelphia 76ers. And all of a sudden, if a team hasn't traded for Ben Simmons yet, the Wolves starting to look like maybe they are a team that can be a factor. Just kind of reading into a little bit of the tea leaves, looking at some betting odds. Wagering odds right now didn't used to really involve the Wolves at all when it came to Ben Simmons. Right now, though, Uh, They're listed as the second most likely destination for him, right behind Golden State. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but when that happens, that means there's enough public chatter to think this could be something that could happen. And I feel like going and getting Ben Simmons is a no-brainer. I don't care what you necessarily think about what he did in the playoffs this year. I get it. He he almost basically single-handedly cost the Philadelphia 76ers that playoff series against Atlanta. But this is this is a guy who will get you to the playoffs. If Ben Simmons is on the Timberwolves this season, it'll be a guaranteed trip to the playoffs. I honestly believe that. I feel like he is good enough. He is a good enough regular season player that with him and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and maybe even D'Angelo Russell, if he's not part of the trade, that would be a team that would be a slam dunk to make the Western Conference playoffs this year and probably into the future, too, because all of those guys would be under under contract on the roster for several years to come. I don't know what the ceiling of that team is. A lot of that still depends on, is Carl Anthony Towns going to stay healthy? How does this grouping work? How much does Anthony Edwards take a step forward this year? But Ben Simmons absolutely helps you. He absolutely helps a franchise that's been stuck in the mud for almost forever, absolutely helps a team that you know still has bad visions of what happened with Jimmy Butler the last thing they traded for a star. Uh, you know, guess what? Ben Simmons is different than Jimmy Butler. He's a little bit less volatile. Uh, he's a little bit different point in his career. 
probably could use a change of pace where things are a little bit less spotlight rather than more spotlight. I don't think I don't think Ben Simmons would roll into the Mall of America and give out his phone number like uh, Jimmy Butler did at his introductory news conference, you know, four summers ago. Still remember that. Still sitting there remembering that, trying to frantically dial that number to see if it was real. Um, that's different. Ben Simmons is not Jimmy Butler. Different point in their career. He lines up with Carl Anthony Towns. It lines up with some of the other players they have. So. I feel like if the opportunity is there, they absolutely have to pursue it. Now, can they get it done? That's complicated because, if we, as we've talked about on this show before with Chris Hine, with other people, um, you know, trying to get that done maybe probably involves a third team because the, the pieces going back and forth don't quite line up. So how do you make that work? you got to get another team involved. That gets complicated because then it can fall apart. Any, any one of those three teams can make things fall apart. The compensation changes, something else changes. There's you know injury, something like that. So... Still, it's fascinating, though. It bears watching. The Wolves haven't done a ton this offseason. You're still wondering, do they have a big move in them? Is it just is Patrick Beverly and Torian Prince, guys who you know can help in certain regards, but you know net going in, net going out, doesn't feel like much has changed. Still a team that, as of right now, seems like would be doing well to contend for a play-in spot. And Does that really excite you if you're a Wolves fan does that really move the needle after so many years of frustration I don't know if it does it makes you makes the season more relevant I guess but Ben Simmons is a game changer he's a great defensive player he gets out in transition he does everything they want to do so if the opportunity is there I'm trying to convince you you should be excited about it if it possibly could happen that would be a great thing for this franchise and we will see if that really does come to pass in the coming weeks. Let's finish with the cooler. We had Cheryl Reeve, Lynx head coach and general manager, on this show earlier this week, lamenting that Sylvia Fowles had not gotten a WNBA Player of the Week award in a long time. Sylvia Fowles gets WNBA Player of the Month instead and goes out and uh, backs it up, has a very nice game. Lynx win again on, uh, on Thursday night beating Los Angeles and using defense to do it. Um, Los Angeles only got four points, shot one of 14 in the fourth quarter. Lynx rally to get that win. It's their fourth in a row. They already clinched a playoff spot, you guys. There's still a lot of season left, but the Lynx have already clinched a playoff spot at 17-9 and nine, and a good chance to get at least a single bye. They, they're sitting in fourth, almost third, in the con in the in the league right now, it's the top four teams in the league get at least a first round by. The top two get two buys uh, into the semifinals, which are best of uh, best of five series. We'll see if the Lynx can get that far. But for right now, even with a lot of players injured, Leisha Clarendon out right now. Fouls had missed a game. She's back. Um, Demiris Dantas out for the season. A lot of lot of things they got to figure out offensively, but defensively. Getting the job done and continuing to win, 17 and nine, four wins in a row, 17 and five since that 0 and four start. So Cheryl Reeve and her team continuing to get things done even with adversity striking them. That'll do it for today and for this week. Probably not going to do a show on Monday. It is Labor Day, but there will be a couple bonus shows dropping over the weekend from State Fair stuff. Lindsey Whalen and Kent Youngblood joined me out at the fair earlier this week, as did Chris Finch, the Wolves head coach, and Chris Hine, Timberwolves basketball beat writer. So I'll post those sometime over the weekend to kind of get the get us through the long weekend, and we'll be back at it with regular shows on Tuesday. 
Thanks for joining me all week here on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Have a great weekend, a long weekend, a safe one, and we'll see you again on Tuesday.